Yeah. <laughs> Hi guys, um, this is the mental health episode. So just going into this, please be aware that we talk about very triggering things to do with self-harm, eating disorders, um, suicide, mental health in general, abuse, all that kind of stuff. So if you're not in the mindset for this, don't listen. Also, just please be aware that this was a really difficult episode to edit and upload um and you almost didn't get it (laughs) i almost decided not to upload it just because of the information in it so if you could please be as kind and caring and um understanding as possible um and yeah thank you all for listening be safe and make sure that you're in the right mindset to listen to this okay happy mental health awareness week people bye welcome hello hi there gang 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 stop saying that it's not a positive thing gang 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 oh my god oh my god have you listened okay so what will we be speaking about today depression um (laughs) we're speaking about our mental health throughout the years we're gonna split this into our journey we're gonna split this into two episodes so you have to stick around for a part two um because you're in it you're in the bubble you're in the depressing mental health bubble come on get cozy vibe with us you know develop an eating disorder or an alcohol addiction at least be one of us um (laughs) (laughs) so we should probably put like we're gonna put a trigger warning in about everything but again just saying here Please do not yeah. listen if you're eagerly, easily triggered by discussion about mental health. Also, we talk quite lightly about really heavy topics because we don't know how else to cope with all the feelings yes. that we possess. Um, so we're not being, you know, harsh. We're not being brutal. This is literally us and how um, we've survived and our journey with our mental health and... <clears throat> basically where we are now exactly and it's so we don't cry like we li- we have to laugh otherwise we are going to cry literally i don't know how i, I don't know another coping mechanism other than making light of my crippling anxiety i know way too many coping mechanisms and none of them are good <laughs> good we'll get on to that <laughs> so we're gonna go through like a timeline kind of thing so we're gonna start with our um adolescent mental health from like the ages of like birth to like puberty that's that's, like adolescent is teen did you know that oh fuck so we're gonna go through from like very very early years like who we were how we are how michael mccann affected us (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's just you right that's just you that is just me um and how it's progressed and you know in the second part we will go into how we are now all good things come in two-part series all good things come with a dose of sertraline (laughs) wow (laughs) (laughs) so where are we going to start this shall we go through our do we want to do what medication we're on right now or shall we leave it and then be like so we actually got help and doctors actually listen to us well i think we should save (laughs) yes let's leave it so do we want to start with um history maybe maybe talk about history of mental health within our families like do our families have any history of mental health yeah yeah do you want to go first because yours is more extravagant than mine (laughs) um Mainly just my mum, really. She has a, <laughs> a sordid tale. Um, she struggles with... I haven't actually seen the diagnosis, so this is um, just what I've heard from other people. Um, what she has? Hmm? Is it, like, what she thinks she has? Like, she's self-diagnosed? No, she's been... She doesn't think she has anything wrong with her, which is part of her illness, but um, she ha- she's been diagnosed... From what I've heard from other people, she's been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and bipolar. Which is just, like, 
one on its own would have been bad enough. <laughs> Great combo. <laughs> combo meal. Love that. Real deal. Um, <laughs> and she she struggles with that. And then um, I don't really know with the rest of my extended family. It's mainly just, I think we've, all, all of us, before I was born, all of my family has had a very difficult life with loss and everything like that. And I think my parents do struggle like my dad has struggled with depression not that he'd call it that but he has struggled with depression and um like lots of different things I don't I don't really want to talk about his struggle because he's not actually diagnosed and it's not really my place but I know that my mum when he refers to it how would he because I think a lot of what we're going to talk about also goes into um like generational like how different generations speak about it and stuff yeah I think it's with my kind of with my mum obviously she doesn't think she has anything wrong with her even though it's blindingly obvious and with my dad is I've met your mother met like a couple of times <laughs> even that was enough it is she is very difficult to deal with and I think that's another thing as well that we'll probably get onto more when we like talk about that kind of stuff but having mental health really does make it sometimes very difficult for people to love you and I don't think people quite understand that like it's really hard because you yeah I don't want people to like I don't want to be a burden on people I don't want to be toxic to people I don't want to be like that but my mental health does affect that the way I am and it's it's really bad and it's not built in as like who you are because I don't blame my mum for a lot of the stuff she's done because it's literally just it's her mental health she can't well she could change it she could take a medication that's her own problem but um (laughs) is it because you want to say oh it's not that person but in that moment the way she's acting is that person and it is her and who else is going to take responsibility for it if not her yeah and I think a lot of I think a lot of my issues come from my mum and stem from my mum not just from the genetics of it but also from the trauma of it and we'll get onto that when I talk about like that but my dad my dad generally just struggles with like getting really sad just because of stuff that's happened in his life and same with like the rest of my family we all kind of struggle with just getting really really sad and it's all kind of quite normal because if you knew what had happened in like our lives you'd understand why we all get like quite sad (laughs) um so so that's circumstantial more than a genetic yeah certain chemical in your brain which is just as valid as a lack of chemical in your brain but it I, i think what a lot of people don't realize is that there are many 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 different types of mental health mm. um yeah yeah so, so in your family because i know a lot about your kind of mental health and your issues and your struggles um if you can call them an issue i feel really bad whenever i'm like oh i know about your problems because you're a problem um, but i don't i don't really know a lot about your family kind of history and if, whether you have any history of mental health or if it's just you being a widow <laughs> just me um <laughs> so in recent years as i don't know why but my parents split in a sort of open a conversation from then we've always been quite open with each other whereas before that we weren't so much um and when my mum um well when my dad left my mum became depressed I think um she was had crazy anxiety um and that was when she put on medication for the first time but before that nothing had ever you know, there were just no like signs that there was anything wrong before that. Though mm. speaking to her later on down the line, she's been like, oh, "I've always been a bit like obsessed with death, like me. I've always been quite anxious. I've always been quite shy, um, stuff like that." Understandably, my dad became depressed after he left because of everything that happened. But he didn't take any medication for it. He just sort of, I think, he just sort of took it and went along with life carried on tried to see it out um I think I think like my auntie and my cousins have but that's more like a circumstantial thing I obviously don't want to put words into their mouths but I think it is because they they haven't really been given the same opportunities that I have for many different reasons um and apparently 
bit of like family tea. My, I'm going to say this quite quietly because my nan's like downstairs. So my nan's biological dad didn't raise her. Apparently he was a bit of a schizo. And since I found out, I've been like, maybe that's right. That's, you know, it's just like passed through like three generations and got to me and like, hi there. Yeah. So I do think like that quite a lot. Um, when my granny was dying, she became depressed, but I think that's quite normal considering she was dying and her husband died like two months before her, you know, hers was circumstantial, but um yeah no when all when it all started happening to me I was like I'm the only one nobody else feels like this because it wasn't a conversation and I didn't know of anyone that felt the same way as me which is probably why I hid it for so long so yeah it's very different to yours Mm. but it's still every that's the thing every single journey and every single like person's individual mental health because everybody has mental health whether it's good or bad it's just a case of whether you have yeah it's it's like physical health but it's just a case of whether you have a mental health illness and I think or you can have mental health issues you can just have difficulties with maintaining your mental health it's like it's every single person's like experience with it is valid whether it's like the worst in the world or it's just lightly being like very anxious or struggling because it really is it sucks and I think it's definitely coming to light a lot more people are talking about it now because no one spoke about it before like even like when my mum was growing up people I think it was obvious to some people like she was a bit different um but it was just a case of like oh that's just how she is rather than like oh she needs some help <laughs> maybe that's what we were thinking about you yeah um, <laughs> i do get that quite a lot because i feel like even though like the medical resources and like or like the medical knowledge was there for mental health so it wasn't available it wasn't appropriate for a very very long time I'd say only in the last five years or so, it was okay to go to the doctors about your mental health. Mm. And that is just so hard. Like, imagine, like, suffering, like, your whole life being born in the wrong generation and not being able to help yourself. Yeah. I think we are, as our, our generation, like, millennials under... But everyone who is a millennial or under, most people anyway, um, I think we're really working through breaking the stigma that was created through generations of systematic abuse of very vulnerable people. Like asylums were awful. There is horror stories of how people with mental illnesses were treated and it's it's disgusting. And I think we've, we're approaching a difficult time now where it has become so normalised that everybody thinks that they have... Yeah, it's gone the opposite way. We're at the opposite spectrum. Yeah, and people... It's becoming... This is going to sound... To people who don't really understand the world of, like, Tumblr and um, the internet and all that kind of stuff, it's going to sound really bad, but lots of people like to fake being depressed and fake having an eating disorder. People used to do it in school all the time, and it made me sick to my stomach because I thought... But I can't say anything now because I'm going to be grouped with those people when I know that what I'm feeling is real. Yeah. And it took a long time for me to actually accept that what I feel, what I was feeling was real and that I wasn't putting it on myself. That was a really big thing for me. Yeah, I think it's it's become very competitive as well. Like if you have <laughs> an illness or a problem, you have to be like 10 times worse than the other person who's talking about it. Like if, no. If I'm speaking to someone and I'm like, oh, I'm really struggling. Like, oh, I'm like, and especially in eating disorders, and I won't go into the specifics of it because I know it's not any discussion about eating disorders needs to be really like you need to be really careful about what you talk about. So I'm just going to kind of like not talk too much about giving like tips and stuff, tips yeah. and tricks. Um, but like even with eating disorders, if you say something like, oh, I'm doing something right now and it's and I feel really awful and my eating disorder is making me do this, somebody else will be like, well, you know what, I'm doing this, but I'm doing it 10 times worse than you, and I'm doing it 10 times more than you, and you know what, I'm better than you at having an eating disorder, so you can go screw yourself. I'm like, 
okay, hon? Calm down. <laughs> not a competition. We're all like struggling together. Yeah. You know, just just made my hair look so much worse. No, you did. It's lovely. You got. You've got to take a picture of that, and then we'll. You can put it on Instagram and be like, "Vay on my hair." Tell them. <laughs> okay. Um, where do you think things evolved and started for you in the lack of normalness in your mental health? I really did not know how I was going to word that. Oh, I think that's a good way of working. The, the lack of um, what is deemed normalness within my mental health. I think it started from quite a young age. Um, a lot of the stuff you experience as a child is very normal, like just because you experience certain things, just because you do certain things, it doesn't mean you have mental illness. I just, I think I've always had a very vivid imagination and I've always been quite a like imaginative child and I've always had been quite like a, like a I'll zone out a lot. I just wouldn't be yeah. all there all the time. Um, it's such a mood. And I think a lot of the stuff that I experienced in early childhood, really shaped the way my mental health progressed um and i kind of was turning point or do you think it was like you woke up one day and there was just this feeling of dread and fear inside of you i think my the difficulty is my mental health is quite different i'd say to someone who has like depression or anxiety because as much as I do struggle with like feeling really really sad and being really really anxious it's more of like it's quite a complex situation because I think personally I think I have something called complex PTSD and I don't want to self-diagnose don't self-diagnose I understand it's difficult to get a diagnosis but just don't like label yourself for things because it's yeah. not a good idea you're not a medical profession don't do it but um a lot of <laughs> a lot of medical professionals I've spoken to have said to me it sounds like you have something called complex PTSD which is where you experienced trauma and and or abuse as a child and then you kind of like it's like changed the whole way that you are now as a person and it really affects your mental health constantly and it does mean that I have a lot of different issues like I've got I have I've got an eating disorder I have been diagnosed with bulimia nervosa so I have that um and I Lots of different people have tried to give me lots of different diagnoses. It's some people think I have OCD, some people think I have bipolar, some people think I have borderline personality disorder, some people think I have this, some people think I have that. Like, and some people just think I'm traumatized, and it's all very different. And I don't think. I think the turning point for me is when I when I started like presenting. These issues was. Like, like, it, I don't know, because it's always just been such a part of me. I think I've always felt it. I can't think of a time where I haven't felt it. Um, but I think when I started presenting really badly was in, like, year seven and year eight in secondary school. Um, but I, then? Hmm? How old were you then? Oh, I would have been, like... Twelve? Yeah, I think I would have been twelve. Um, but even at, at junior school, I was bit of a weirdo and I was quite classed as a bit of a weirdo because <laughs> I just did very not normal things and I think that was also because of being raised by somebody who has mental health illnesses you kind of pick up those traits and pick up those things so I was a very um impulsive child a very like excitable child a very um yeah just a very say it was quite unstable yes i've always been quite unstable shock horror um <laughs> and then i kind of grew up and then in year seven was the first time i said that i wanted to die um <laughs> fun <laughs> um i remember writing a note in my science class saying i want to die and i just kept it with me because i was like oh well now i've written it down like i just keep it with me like keep it in my pocket kind of thing um and then I went home and it fell out of my pocket on the porch to our house and I went upstairs and I was just kind of like vibing chilling out like peace 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 and my mum 
was screaming, like screamed at me, and she was like, "Who wrote this?" I was like, "I don't know. <laughs> what are you on about?" And then she showed me the note, and I was like, "Not me. I don't know what that is. I've never seen it before in my life. What? No." And she was like, "You don't want to die. I know your handwriting. You don't want to die. This is just you're just being dramatic. You don't want to die." And I was like, "Okay, great." And I never really spoke about it again. Um, and I started this just trigger warning again trigger warning stop listening um i started having displaying behaviors of an eating disorder in year seven and i started self-harming in year seven <laughs> healthy <Yeah. laughs> um and like, never... like your first episode yeah I, I think that would have been like my first real kind of like where I understood that I could hurt myself because obviously I've I've had thoughts about like not liking myself and kind of not like being myself kind of that kind of thing I've had those difficulties and those emotional struggles but then when I got into secondary school it was almost like oh I can actually do something about it like I was exposed to lots of different people who struggled with similar emotions to me and I saw how they were dealing with it and I was like oh my god <laughs> wow yeah, um, exactly. yeah and I didn't I didn't really know what an eating disorder was and I didn't really know what self-harming was um but I did it um and I used to just like not taking my lunch and not want to eat it and all that, that kind of stuff I don't want to go into too much of what I used to do when I had an eating disorder again because I don't want to give out tips <laughs> but yeah it was really bad not great yeah. stuff oh was that around the oh. same time because I don't like I we we only knew each other from like year 10 year 10 yeah like from when we were like 14 or 15 so we you know I wasn't involved in any of this Hmm. um but my journey as we call it um sort of started when I was around about six um I was always well not always very I was gonna say I was always very anxious I wasn't I can remember being in nursery so like three or four years old and being the loudest one being like the life and soul of the party if you can be at a nursery um and I was shy, but once I got used to people, I was very loud and stuff like that. Always getting told off for saying something I shouldn't. No change, really. Um, but then when I was about six, I started getting this weird feeling in my tummy. Um, and it was just like fear and dread. And I didn't want to do whatever we were going to go do um also cause like stomach issues which my anxiety still does but tmi but you need to know obviously <laughs> um and yeah it was just it was really difficult but my first memory of having a panic attack was when i was seven um i was in my class I can't even really remember what happened. I think it was because my brother had just started in year R. And if you remember from that primary school, because we didn't go to the same primary school, but you went there for like a year or something. Yeah. Um, the year three classroom was almost like the opposite end of where the year R classrooms were. And I was really worried, probably because of Madeleine McCann, that I was going to get abandoned, forgotten about, left. I was really worried that my mum was only going to pick up my brother and not me. So I would start tapping on the table and then I would start like tapping my ankle on the um, leg of the chair and then I would start like picking up my nails and picking up the skin and I would I would be like on the brink of tears and if anybody asked me a question I'd just like shake my head or nod my head because I knew that if I opened my mouth I'd burst into tears and I couldn't really breathe properly because of this like trying to not cry situation and I was I was just absolutely terrified and I was almost terrified to the point where I wanted to run out of the room but I was shaking so much I knew I wouldn't be able to hold myself mm. it was really awful um so I had that most days for about two years never said anything never told anyone because I didn't think it was a big deal I didn't i 
as I say, I haven't really heard anyone else speak about it before. I didn't know it was an issue. I just thought, oh, it's something that happens at home time. And I remember we used to finish school at half three. It would start about quarter to three. So for 45 minutes every day. And I remember one time we had this cover teacher. We were doing art. And by quarter past three, we still hadn't packed up. I was like, okay, it's going to take more than 15 minutes to pack up. She needs to get her, she needs to get her act together. So I literally went up to her and said, um, it's quarter past three, can we pack up? And she went, no, 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 we've got like five more minutes. I was like, I don't think you quite get my point, miss. I think we should pack up now. <laughs> you think you're catching my drift? Yeah, I don't think you're, you're not getting the vibe. This is, <laughs> this is diagnosed anxiety in a child. And at one time, um, my class was a particularly naughty class. One time we were held back at end of the day assembly because some of the boys were being naughty or something. And it was getting closer and closer and closer to half three. And I stood up, even though we were all being shouted at, I stood up and I went up to my teacher and said, Miss, I've got a dentist appointment. Can I leave, you know, now, please? I didn't have a dentist appointment. I just said it. I just said it because I needed to get out because... I just had this fear of abandonment. Anyway, it calmed down a little bit um, <laughs> until year seven when I moved schools. Um, didn't really meet you, didn't really know you, but it got bad again then. Um, calmed down for a bit, got bad again in year nine. It's been pretty bad ever since. Um, but no, that was my first episode. And as I say, I don't really know what's triggered it. Other than the fear of abandonment, which is always nice in a six-year-old. I see. I get that. I kind of think. I mean, my. I think my fear of abandonment is comes from stems more from like actual experiences of abandonment. So I'm like <laughs> very afraid of being left. I'm very afraid of everybody around me dying or like yeah, all of that kind of stuff. So I used to do this thing, and it's going to sound. I bet loads of people do it as well. Um, but basically i do this thing where i'd be i'd like set my, my brain would like be like if you don't touch that right now if you don't run and touch that right now your family's gonna die that's ocd babes <laughs> okay <laughs> the definition of ocd but literally i got that when i was like really young and i do this thing you know when you walk down the um street and you have those you've got walls and they've got like each they've got like pillars and they've got the wall so i can't remember what they're called anyone who's yeah. smart and like does construction know what they're called and we yeah. walk along the street and i'd be like i have to touch every single one or something bad's gonna happen like someone's gonna get cancer somebody's gonna die and that was before any of my like experiences had happened like most yeah. of any like tangible experience of loss and grief had happened i was like everyone's going to die everyone's <laughs> going to leave me <laughs> I, I I never had that. It was it was a very and I, I can say it now, my anxiety is a very selfish form of mental health, mental illness because it is just a protection for yourself. And as I became older and as I became more independent, the fear left because I didn't have to rely on whoever was picking me up so much. Yeah. Um and this is a story I gave on my doctors and on my therapists. Um, when they asked, oh, when did your anxiety start? And I was like, at the age of seven, I thought, oh, mum's going to abandon me and have to spend all night at school. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think late as that. I think it was just a lot earlier. Mine's all, I think the th thing is with mine, it's always been there in like a sense of like, I remember. I got so angry once when I was little. I was like, I am so upset because I can hear and feel the sound of metal scraping together. And I just screamed for hours on end because I was like, I can't get it out of my head. I can't get, I need to do something to get this out of my head. I was like trying to like, like <laughs> get rid of it from my head. Cause I was like, I can hear it. I can feel it. And I hate it. It's wrong. It's bad. It's wrong. It's disgusting. That's it. I'm going to like do all this. I need to like just scratch at my skin and get it all off me. Cause I can feel it on me. I was like proper having a meltdown at like, like eight years old. Yeah. And the thing and is, I don't remember a lot of my childhood. I feel I've probably already said it in this. I sometimes I can't remember anything about my childhood, and sometimes I remember like everything about it. So it's, I, 
yeah I don't really have like a <laughs> uh, kind of um but a lot of my thing is like where it started with my brain just kind of being like oh you need to turn that tv off in the next 10 seconds or you're gonna die <laughs> and it would be like that and then it would be like I'd like I remember once when I was really young and I was laying in bed and I was just kind of like chilling vibing with my teddies like oh yeah and I was like what happens when you die I was like sorry what <laughs> that question when I was like five years old and I was not satisfied with the answer I was given literally but I didn't have anyone to ask that question to so I was like but isn't sleeping just like death De- like if you go to sleep like that's death and then I was like I'm not going to sleep I can't sleep now like what am I gonna do I can't go to sleep oh my god yes literally I- it was like a deep sleep and then when my panic attack started in year three I used to not be able to sleep at all I probably didn't sleep until like midnight one in the morning which was obviously quite late for a seven-year-old um but yeah yeah I think yeah I think anxiety my anxiety is very different in a sense of it's not just it kind of causes me to do things rather than like just I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, I can't just feel it and not do something about it kind of thing. I can't just be like, I'm really anxious. Mine is like, oh, well, if I don't do something, then I should be really anxious because everyone around me is going to die and everyone I love is going to be killed. So... (laughs) Do you think this has held you back? Like, when you look back at being a child, did it ever hold you back? I don't know. I think it made me a very weird child, but I think that's... (laughs) that's just kind of it I was I I don't think it kind of stopped me from doing anything I wanted to do because I didn't I was very much contained within a bubble with my mum and my family and that helped me I feel like my traumatic experiences held me back more than my actual mental health held me back so like all my trauma and all my past and everything like that has really like robbed me of my childhood and now my mental health has robbed me of my teenage years oh that's so sad yeah so I think when I was finally like able to come out of that bubble when I was like going into secondary school and I wasn't just contained in like one like section of my life with my mom and my life wasn't consumed by my very turbulent childhood I was like oh well now I'm really screwed up and so now my eating disorder and my mental health is just going to steal all of my fun years away from me and now I'm like in such a safe place at home and I'm in like I'm getting help for my mental health it's almost like my mental health is now just playing up because it's like well now I have more things to do like now I have like more time to like spend being really annoying for you this is, I'm really bad at explaining things <laughs> it's fine but yeah, yeah it's fine that's kind of I think I think childhood wise my issues were definitely more centered around my traumatic experiences yeah I don't know how much I can go into it on the podcast because I don't particularly want to like share experiences that people aren't quite other people in my family are unhappy with me talking about kind of thing but I think um there was a lot of times I'll get into it let's do it I'll get into it why not um there was a lot of times where my mum would be having an episode and her mental health kind of entailed her experiencing delusions and experiencing um extreme like manic phases um which lasted really long times um when she stopped taking her medication um and when when we were really young she had a post not postpartum is it postpartum um yeah yeah postpartum psychosis and all of that kind of stuff and she went into hospital very early on and a lot of her delusions were like a case of she thought that everyone was out to get her and everyone was like coming to get her and obviously she convinced us that everyone was coming to get her and coming to get us as well and a lot of the time 
she would abduct us not abduct us but take us away in the middle of the night in a car and just go driving somewhere and she wouldn't tell anyone where we were and she'd just like turn up in like somebody's house at like one o'clock in the morning and be like you need to help me my children are in danger I'm in danger and like it would be like my auntie's house or like one of our distant family member's house or like a close friend's house that she had and it was just there was a lot of times where she would take us and she would just like the, I, the intention she would say in her therapy session the intention would be to kill us all and like that kind of thing because she felt so unsafe and she had a she has a really um, big thing with sexual assault where she thinks everyone has sexually assaulted me and my sister she thinks everybody's a paedophile she even said at one point that she was sexually assaulting us which she wasn't <laughs> but she like she gets so wrapped up in her delusions and i think as a child because she was so wrapped up in her delusions i got wrapped up in those um delusions as well and her reality became my reality which means i have a very distorted sense of reality and you can imagine like <laughs> The anxiety level that I, I live under and the coping mechanisms I have and the way that I my like brain works now is a case of it works in the way a brain would work if it was actually in the reality and if the reality my mum created was my reality, like it was real. So that's kind of like, it's almost like I'm living in a normal world, but my mental health and my brain and everything is living in a different world where I'm constantly in very very imminent danger and everyone around me is going to kill me so <laughs> that's where I'm kind of at <laughs> yeah oh my god that must be so it must have been just terrifying as a child because you, you know when when you are a child you, everything that your parents say is like gospel mm. so if you heard do things like that it's so like what's that word Fucked up. Oh my god. No. <laughs> um, irrationally. She just says, yeah. Yeah. She's a very irrational behaviour. And I think my entire childhood was basically, can be st- we can be summed up in like two words of irrational and unstable. Like that was it. Yeah. And obviously, com- being convinced that you were sexually abused and being convinced that you were abused and being convinced that you were in constant danger will have an effect on your mental health and also I've experienced a lot of loss and grief from a very young age which hasn't helped me at all and I think my development of my eating disorder really stems from a lot of my trauma that's a problem I think a lot of my mental health is coping mechanisms to deal with my trauma whereas I think with you a lot of it is just a case of like it's built into you fundamentally yeah 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 and I think my genetics as well aren't really there. Like, they're not great. Like, I don't have a very good chance in life considering where I come from and who, like, who birthed me and all that. But, like, I think a lot of... Yeah, a lot of it is, um, like, a mixture of genetics and trauma. Wow, I just went on such a fat rant. Like, do you want to talk about your life? Um, I genuinely feel like my life has taken such a different turn without my anxiety like genuinely 100% um I really limited myself as a child because I was always scared of going to new people's houses I was always scared of I wasn't scared of making new friends but I was scared of like have like long lasting friendships so I kind of flitted between quite a few friends because I didn't want to like build too much of an attachment Mm. um I didn't really go on like school trips because I was always scared of like okay what if we get abandoned and stranded on the Isle of Wight or in Cherbourg and it's genuinely terrified me I went on one overnight school trip I had a panic attack they had to drug me to get me to sleep (laughs) and (laughs) <laughs> because my mum had given them some drowsy like cough medicine or whatever that she used to give me when I was at home when I wasn't sleeping because um, you kind of end up in a cycle of like you don't sleep because you're so anxious but then you don't get enough sleep so then when you wake up in the morning you're more anxious because you're thinking irrationally so that was kind of like my cycle so my mum would um, give me like a drowsy cough medicine or whatever to get me to sleep and she gave it to the 
teachers who were like running the trip and I asked them like 50 times like have, have you got my sleeping medicine have you got this have you got it have you got it um and I did end up being like look you just need to give me I just need it bear in mind I was literally about seven or eight at the time so you don't understand I just need it I can't sleep my thoughts give me up I'm not even tired I'm just anxious but I didn't have to articulate it so after that I was like right I'm not doing any more residential trips because it's just too much for me and my brain and now everyone thinks I'm a weirdo because I had a panic attack during story time um and it was genuinely like that scary and I I you know I was asked to do quite a lot of things I I was technically a gifted and talented student um for my writing I don't know if you knew that um for my writing yeah everyone knew that let's be honest it's because you're so smart um and I didn't take all the opportunities that were offered to me that you know some students would have probably not killed for because of my anxiety um yeah I just think my life was taking a different turn by the time I left school I was no longer gifted and talented because I hadn't taken up these opportunities and because I hadn't push myself to how far I could have done and I do regret that in a way because I do genuinely feel like since leaving school I've just become the stupidest I've ever been I genuinely I remember you being like in so incredibly smart like I I I know that you think that you weren't like just because you weren't given the talent and you didn't take those opportunities but in school you were one of the smart kids like you were one of the top of the top yeah. kind of like really clever you've got amazing yeah. GCSE grades you've got great A-level grades and I think I was I, just and I felt like my I know it's not so easy to blame it on my anxiety but my anxiety is right away for me there was so many opportunities I was given and so many things I could have done because I was I was doing you know triple science and I was um, whereas everyone else did like double science and I was doing yeah like you because it's stupid um, <laughs> and I was in top maths there and I ended up doing like I think part of my maths GCSE exam was like part A level yes were you put yeah. forward for because I know that a couple of other people did like early maths because they were doing like statistics statistics I did I did statistics and I took that exam um a year before the rest of GCC so I took that in when I was 15 in year yeah, 10 that was for smart people that was for me um <laughs> and I you know I, I was getting really amazing grades and like I look back at like all like my school reports and like even in like history which is basically an essay writing GCSE I was like an A star I just but then my anxiety straight away for me and I really feel like I've made such awful decisions since leaving school because of my anxiety that I've been a bit like wasting my brain so now I can't even you know like I, I work in a post office but I still struggle to count large amounts of money which is part of my job and it's just so horrible because it's like I used to be able to do like A level maths when I was 15 now I can't even count to 100. I still think you have that potential though and I still think you have that there and sometimes uh, I do think that everyone has a purpose and everybody has a path and everyone has oh my god that sounds so gross (laughs) I'm such a spiritual person and I just think everybody has a path and a process (laughs) and I think like you are put in the place that you are needed the most and I think something's going to come along because I know you have incredible potential and you're really really smart and you're really creative and you're like all of those things and you have the focus and you have the drive and I think what you need to do is just work on looking after yourself and everything's going to fall into place because you put in so much work like you will get there yeah I mean when teachers come in like our old teachers come to the shop they they look so surprised to see me they're like did I expect to see you in the corner shop that's because yeah. everyone expected you to go to fucking like red brick universities, like all of that. I, I literally, I my at my college parents' evenings, my dad would go in, and my college teachers would be like, "If Rachel doesn't go to university, it'd be such a waste." It <laughs> will. <laughs> and 
I said this to my mum the other day, you know, everybody wanted me to go to university apart from me. I just didn't have the yeah. want. And I still don't really have the one. It's not in my plan for the next 12 months. So. No, it's got to be what you want to do. And like, it may be a waste as such, but if it's, if it, if doing what you're doing makes you happy, it's not a waste at all. It is keeping yeah. you alive. Because I'm not, now I can stand here and say, I'm not, not going to university. No, I'm not going to university because of my anxiety. I'm not going to university because I don't want to. Yeah, and I like because I fought for so long to like get my anxiety recognised. People are now seeing it as she doesn't want to go because of her anxiety, but she's now saying it's not her anxiety. Yeah, I think yeah, I think also a lot of your. I don't know whether you agree with this, but it could be a lot of your like the fact that you work so hard and the fact that you did so well is because you were so anxious about failing as well. Yeah, so it could have been a mixture of that, and now you don't have that like pressure on yourself yeah I like I, I in school I put so much pressure on myself because in at the, within the first couple of weeks of year 11 I got asked if I wanted to drop triple science down to double but it would have meant me redoing like two years worth of science with like four exams so I was like no I'm just gonna struggle with my triple science but that really <laughs> gave me like a kick up the bum I was like really embarrassed about it and really anxious about it and I had like regular meetings with my teacher who I wasn't that keen on about it and it just embarrassed me so much that I was like right okay I need to do everything I can now I don't want to have this conversation again see I always had the opposite problem I think I've that I again let me self-diagnose on the podcast I think I have like ADHD or ADD or something because I have never ever been able to focus in a lesson since I was like started school, like ever. we be in drama and like me and one of our mutual friends, you'll know who I'm talking about. Be like, right, okay, come on, guys, we've got to get it sorted. You've got half an hour. Let's start blocking this piece out. And you'd be like, lots of and throw myself out the window. <laughs> Literally, I remember in my art class, I did not do a single piece of cohesive work like I would start a, I would start a sketchbook I'd be like I'm so motivated to do this I'm ready and then I would get like one page and I'd be like okay no I'm gonna go through myself out a window now literally I yes. would like sit on the windowsill and be like oh I could jump out do you think I'd break my legs if I jumped out the window how old are you what are you doing I, what, are I, you in this class what's going on <laughs> I remember you actually saying that I don't know why I was in that it must have been lunch time or break time or something but I remember you like dangling your legs out the window and I was like are you okay and you were like yeah do you think I'm a shatter or break <laughs> <laughs> literally I was oh, I was such a deep teenager I was like do you think I'd shatter as I hit the ground no you just fucking break your legs you twat (laughs) but there's this one memory and it like really upsets me um where when I was about 10 years old because I love writing and reading and I was a proper nerd um I went to go meet Jackton Wilson do you know this story no okay so she was having like a meet and greet book sign Q&A kind of vibe thing um at, in Winchester yeah but it was so cool and I was so excited but I was so nervous at the same time and I remember I was like nine years old because it's the same year that Cheryl Cole released um Tiny Little Raindrops the album because I bought it in HMV there um so oh my god I can't stop happening love that for you so we went it was amazing and we, there was, it wasn't like a gift shop, it was like a tabletop sale thing of all of her books. And they had like the option to get like a signed one, or like a normal one, but it was like a pre-signed one, so it didn't have your name, just that Jack Wilson. Um, and my mum said, well, what one would you like? Because, you know, if you have time after, we can go get it signed like at the end of the talk and stuff like that. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, cool. And I still chose to get a pre-signed one because I was already feeling anxious about the idea of meeting her. And it was just so sad. So we sat through the thing, I really enjoyed it. We sat near the back so she couldn't see me. We'll still have this weird thing about people on stage seeing me. It's just a weird <laughs> to have. Um, 
then afterwards they said right anyone who wants to um get their book signed if they or whatever signed whatever they brought with them today queue up me and mom stood in this queue and it was it probably wasn't that long away but i was so anxious and i was just i wasn't even really talking i was just like so anxious and my mum was like are oh, you excited and i was like no not at all <laughs> and I was excited but the anxiety completely overrided the excitement and you know you had to go up onto the stage like it was like four or five kids at a time and I was really aware of that I was the fastest child there as well I'm really really aware that I was the biggest one I also have like mad curly hair very aware that my mad curly hair was out um but I was just so excited and because it was so busy she had like an assistant who was asking for everyone's names and then like putting on a bit of paper and slicing it into the book that you had so that it was just quicker she said oh so what's your name and I said um it's Rachel and she couldn't hear me she's like sorry what was that and I said Rachel and she's like is that E-L E-A-L and I swear to god that's like the bane of my life like saying how to spell my name and I was like oh my god this is more communication I'm E-L <laughs> but I still think she spelt it wrong. I have the book up there somewhere in my wardrobe, so I can get it down. Yeah. If, yeah. Should I go look for it? You need to put a picture of it on the Instagram. That's beautiful. Thank you. If it's at the front, I'll grab it. No. Whilst she's gone, I'm going to sing you some Cheryl Cole. Um, I don't need a parachute, baby, if I got you, baby, if I got you. I don't need a parachute, you're gonna catch <laughs> But no, so it's probably like, right at the back of my wardrobe. Yeah. And I remember like Jacqueline Wilson trying to have a conversation with me. And um, I was like, absolutely not and I was like hi she's like so you're Rachel and I was like yeah <laughs> and then I was wearing a Justin Bieber t-shirt and she went so who's that on the t-shirt and I went Justin Bieber she went oh is he nice and I went yeah thank you bye it was so embarrassing. It wasn't embarrassing. But I was just like, I've just met my first celebrity and just said Justin Bieber is like better than her, basically. <laughs> I love him more than I love you. Literally. <laughs> and I and like, I skipped back to the train station. Part of like, my happiness is just the euphoria of getting out of there, getting out of the, you know, anxious situation I've been in. And I really wish that was a much happier memory for me because obviously all the other kids were like buzzing, they were going to meet Jacqueline Wilson, loving life, and I was just there like, can't wait for this to be over. See, I, I used to read Jacqueline Wilson books and just like be like, oh, someone's written a book about my life. What's going on here? <laughs> I used to read them because my mum was like, well, you have a lot as them. <laughs> my mom, I just used to read them well but I got the opposite my mum was like read these and you'll understand why your life is like it's everybody's got a difficult life don't worry like look at all these people who have similar issues to you that was my that was my, my, my thing a lot and I don't think um it was negative on my mental health so I think it just made me very mind because it spoke about things like abuse and adoption and mental health and single parents and things like that and things that weren't put into children's books yeah it was just amazing i highly recommend jacqueline wilson whether you're an adult or a child i think they're just i would i, st- I would still read jacqueline wilson now like genuinely i mean i loved like some of like her really old stuff like vicky angel yes i remember reading vicky angel and sobbing and dustin baby yeah <gasps> Oh my god, um, Midnight. Oh my god, just so many good ones. Like, pre- do you, so good. Yeah, do you remember the one where the mum was 
pregnant and that she had sisters and she was like they moved to this new house on this estate and it was like a shithole and the, the, kid? the what the suitcase kid what was the suitcase kid possibly i don't know but i know that she had this little Zavanian family character that she took with her everywhere and it was called radish why do i remember this i think no i don't think it was that one although they right. Hmm? Was it Clean Break? No. No. It was. I'm gonna remember it. Was it Double Act? No. It was the... Was it Lola Rose? I'm just naming them all now. Which one was Lola Rose? Oh my god, why can't I remember? I'm gonna have to look it up. Oh yes, going off on a tangent but it was okay. one but then she had like a budgie in her sleeve but it was like a fake budgie and then she went oh. to yes oh my god is it Lola Rose and she went to like the house and then there was that weird girl with the weird mum and I was like is that that's just a normal mum she sounds lovely yeah. Um, yeah. and then <laughs> and then she like jumped out the window my sister Jodie no that was the one where the sister jumped like fell off Lola Rose, that one. No, because that was the one with the scrapbook in it, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. yeah. I also really like the one called Cookie, where it was that girl who was like... Yes. Oh my god, and she had the rabbit. Yeah. My first one I ever read was Candy Floss. And it really resonated with me, because it was about a time where the mum had left, and it was just the daughter and the dad. Yeah. <clears throat> Floss and she had big blonde hair like I had um, and it was just them two and it resonated with me so well because for a long time it was just me and my dad I remember that it is. <laughs> Five. Um, I remember the one when, where they got left on their own, we're just going on to like Jack and Wilson books now, um, they got left on their own like the, the mum like went off to meet this man and they got left on their own, it was the sisters the older sister and the younger kids and they went to live in the park like God, that one was called Lily Alone. Yes, yes. Lily. Oh my God. And yes. obviously, who can forget Tracy Beaker, the legend? Exactly. The the woman, the myth, the legend, Tracy Beaker. Icon. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> probably go back to what you're talking about. Um, so when you were a child and you first started experiencing these feelings, did you know what it was? No, I just thought it was normal. Yeah, no, I thought mine was, like, just something that happened. Yeah. But I was just like, oh, it's an everyday occurrence. Like, I don't know why everyone isn't worried about that their families are going to die. I know. Why isn't everybody having a panic attack? Why isn't everyone just not able to concentrate on anything for five seconds? I just don't understand. But, it, it like, looking back, it is really weird that I just thought not to say anything. Like, it's not like I had force upon me to not say anything. I just didn't say anything. Mm-mm. It was weird. Anyway. <laughs> Shall we into how we were as teenagers? Yes. Right, so. I was a shithead when I was a teenager. That's the first thing. I was. Oh my god. I feel like even though it's only been like three years from the age of 16 to 19, I have grown. See. Um, did you find it easier to articulate yourself when you were a teenager about what you were feeling compared to being a child? I don't know. I feel like I kind of find it found at the same level of difficult. I've never really been very good at articulating myself. I just like well, I, I know. <laughs> I know. I say <laughs> like well, I'm struggling, but I'm fine. And I think that was, but I, I really want to die right now. But it's fine. My eating disorder is like out of whack, but I'm absolutely fine. <laughs> Literally, my my like issue is. I overanalyze things in my head so I'll be like I've been told so many times when I speak about something someone will say oh well you're just making it up in your head like it's just like you oh are oh my god yes literally it, it's caused me so many issues because every time I feel something now I'm like oh it's probably just all in my head but like this is what I'm struggling with and I'd be like I'd be like listing symptoms and um my parents would be like, well, you've obviously read that on the internet and now you're just trying to, like, diagnose yourself. 
Yes. I'm not, oh no, I have I've literally not read anything. This is just what I'm struggling with. Like, please help me. <laughs> oh, my mum got diagnosed with anything. That's what she used to say to me. And it really made me, I think that was probably why I felt like I couldn't speak to anyone because I was like, well, my mother doesn't believe me. Yeah. I Much more accepted now, by the way. Your mum is a legend. Um, I struggled a lot with, um, it was my mum, because my mum, I grew up with my mum and she would just be like, well, you're making yourself sick. Like when I, like I didn't eat my lunch, she'd be like, well, you're doing this to yourself. You're making yourself sick. And it's just like, I can't believe you're doing this stuff. You eat your food. You like, oh, I got sent home to from school once. Cause I was like, feeling really sick and faint and I like laid down this was way before you knew me this was in secondary school and I was like laying down they like sent me to the room and I was laying down and I was like oh my god and they were like have you eaten and I was like no <laughs> and um then they sent me home and my mum was like I can't believe this you're making yourself sick you left your lunch at home again on purpose and I can't believe this is all your fault and you can't keep trying to skive off school like this and, blah, 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 blah. and I was like oh okay and then she forced me to she like watched me and I was like sat there eating my lunch and she like was staring at me like I'm not going anywhere until you eat this and I hope you know that this has caused me to come home from my work and then we're not gonna have any money and with the reason we're not gonna have any money is because of you and then you're gonna be fucking home this and all of this stuff and I was like okay sweet sweet cool 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 gang 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 yeah. like <laughs> did you eat? huh did you eat it well yeah I was like just sat there like I'm sorry <laughs> um and obviously that progressed into like a very very crippling awful eating disorder that I've had for the past like since year seven so that would have been like seven eight nine ten eleven twelve uh, eight years yeah it's it's varying severity and then in the last like three to four years i've had very horrific bulimia yeah solid yeah. great excellent really love that <laughs> but yeah i think my my articulation of my problems i was able to i spoke about it a lot more because i realized that it wasn't normal and like i it was it kind of came to a head when everything started kind of happening I got counselling in year nine at school I think um and I was just like I really want to die and I don't really know why I want to die um because nothing nothing severe had happened at that point even though like my entire childhood and everything up to that point was just rampant manipulation and abuse and like Mm -hmm. very (laughs) <laughs> it was awful um yeah. and then uh, well, during my counseling I remember speaking about like not being close to my dad and, blah, 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 and my life was terrible and this was this and like um I would just want to die and I don't know why and I have these thoughts about like being really like unclean all the time and I just really think everyone's gonna leave me and die and then somebody actually did die <laughs> very suddenly and out of the blue and it went really bad <laughs> and from then on it was just awful and then when I thought it couldn't get any worse um somebody else died really suddenly and out of blue <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and then my mum had an episode and then I was moved from living with her which I had been living with her for like ages into my dad's house that I hadn't speak- spoken to in like two years and then I realized that my whole life was a lie and everything I had been told and told was wrong and then I found out all of this stuff and then somebody died again and it was just awful and I just thought like guy <laughs> and here I am so, now. Do, do you want to talk about um shooting <laughs> well, obviously you don't have to if I want to but all I was going to say is when she died did you suddenly feel like it was easy to talk about things or did you suddenly feel like I need to get help so I don't end up with the same fate I literally I it was really difficult because when died if you don't know this I had a, I have well I still have he's still my stepbrother he's just not here um I was separable and he took his own life um in 
2015 and I was 15 at the time or no I was 16 at the time because it was December and I would have been oh wait no I was 15 at the time no no it was 2015 so he died before my grandparents died yeah and it was during our um drama situation was it not our drama exam but our like when we were doing our um brothers yes and at that point I was known in secondary school as the lesbian and then after that (laughs) if there wasn't one um after that (laughs) I was known (laughs) I was known as the uh, girl with a dead brother um and at that point I hadn't really spoken to in a very long time which was a lot of guilt and stuff came from that as well and my kind of whole mental stability went down from them. I was having panic attacks every time I went past the place where it happened. I was like literally, I was self-harming a lot. I wasn't eating very much. Um, I got into a relationship at that point. Not the healthiest thing to do, but I did. <laughs> and it did help me at the time. It really did um, help me. And person I was in the relationship with helped me at first and it was really good um but I think at that point it got worse and I I, it stopped me from wanting to kill myself because I was like oh it's awful like when you kill yourself it's awful and (laughs) everyone knows what I have this kind of speech about like if somebody comes to me and they're like I want to kill myself and this is gonna sound really obnoxious but when somebody comes to me and they're like I feel really low and I like feel like I'm I just can't do this anymore I can't be here anymore I have this whole spiel about like don't don't kill yourself because you never know what it does to the people around you even if the ripple effect even if you haven't spoken to that person in two years it could destroy the rest of their life it could cause them all of this trauma all of this upset Oh my god, so this is already going off topic, but you know Dexter? Yeah. He's suddenly developed this thing where he hates men. And he barked at a man of like, what, what's the mood? And I just went, Dexter, you sexist pig. <laughs> he just looked at me 